welcome everyone to the City of Iowa City Work Session for March 3rd, 2022. And happy that people are online, are able to join us, and happy that everybody came out, even through the rain, to come here to your City Hall, so welcome. The first item is to discuss the Human Rights Commission recommendation for additional social justice racial equity grant awards. Um, so this was a recommend, recommendations that was given by our HRC. I do see some members here, so welcome to you all. I think I see three members. Um, Mark Priest, uh, Commissioner Roger Lucella, and uh, Jason Glass, so welcome to you all. And then um, we also see the staff that works with you all, which is our equity director, um, Stephanie Bowers, so happy to see you here as well. Probably gonna have our city manager, Jeff, just start us off on this item. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Um, so at your last meeting, you uh, concurred with the Human Rights Commission recommendations for your social, uh, this fiscal year's social justice and racial equity grant awards. And there were seven awards uh, that totaled uh, the 75,000, which is this year's budget allocation for the social justice and racial equity grants. Um, I'm gonna rewind a little bit. Last fall, the Human Rights Commission made a recommendation to you to expand the budget for the uh, grant program from 75,000 to 150,000. That was their formal recommendation to you. Um, as you may recall, when you passed next year's budget, you did increase the, um, uh, the grant program funding from 75 to 100. So we didn't go all the way to the 150 that the Human Rights Commission uh, that they, um, recommended to you, but we did increase it substantially from 75 to uh, 100,000. Um, at your last meeting, the council um, expressed an interest in uh, discussing whether to supplement this year's program with some extra dollars. So again, we're focused on this fiscal year's award. You had uh, 20 applications uh, for the grant. Um, the Human Rights Commission recommended and you approved seven of those. So I think the conversation tonight was whether you wanted to supplement this year's funding, the $75,000, uh, with additional funds uh, to perhaps fund a few more applications. Um, if you do that, there's, you know, th there's a number of uh, ways you can go about that. Probably the cleanest in my mind would be for you to determine the dollar amount that you'd like to supplement and then allow the Human Rights Commission to come back to you with kind of a second tier of applications uh, to fund. Um, you've got, as you said, uh, commissioners here. They may have some other thoughts on, on how best to do that, but to, to me, that seems like the appropriate process would be for allow, uh, allow them to give you a, a second set of recommendations. Keep in mind these applications were um, created um, towards the end of last calendar year and submitted in that December uh, timeframe. So we probably also have to go back and check with these agencies and make sure they still have the capacity to move forward because this is a fairly lengthy review process and that's something that um, the city staff would be doing um, uh, in, during a second round of, of applications if that's uh, indeed where we land. So with that, I'm happy to try to answer questions, guide you um, in any way that, that you need. Um, you also have commissioners here that, that, that can uh, converse with you as well with their thoughts. Well, I do think that um, there's a few things for us to consider. One, 
we did approve last for this upcoming fiscal year a hundred thousand so it wasn't quite double uh, what the commissioners have asked of council um, so I think that's something that we should um, you know pay special attention to um, certainly if there is something that we want to do for next year um, we can uh, not have that discussion tonight maybe have that at a future time um, but try to focus in on the recommendation that's before us right now the um, agencies have already um, you know been told that they didn't get awards so I think that's something that we have to also consider as our city manager mentioned um, some of these projects you know they may have um, either abandoned or or probably still have the need and so that's something that the city staff would have to navigate I, I personally would caution us um, to to not engage with HRC members um, because we don't have um, a, a quorum of them um, and they have not been invited to be a part of our discussion so Mr. Mayor, I'll offer just one additional comment. In, in speaking with Ms. Bowers, I'm aware that there's one other consideration, and that's that their normal rules uh, call for all the funds to be allocated and, and out the door by June 1st, which would be uh, a tight timeline uh, should the council decide to uh, uh, dole out additional money. So that's another consideration. Will the um, HRC have enough time, you know, to um, do we know when how many meetings between now and June 1st is scheduled and we'll we'll just ask our staff Sorry. Yep. Thank you Well, the Commission has two work sessions ones on May 12th ones on May 17th and then they have their regularly scheduled meeting on the fourth Tuesday so in your opinion, do you think it's possible that they can have discussion and get back to council by our second meeting? They could put it on the work session for the March 12th. I mean, it'd be a quick turnaround, so. Um, or they could call a special meeting too. I mean, they have that ability too. Okay, thank you. I have a question that I don't know whether it would go to you or to, to Eric. Is this the type of thing where the process would have to be opened up again or you can simply go back to the same pool of applicants for this year? Um, I, I think the plan would be to just go back to the yeah. applicants from this year. The commission has already ranked all of the applications. Excellent. So it would be more just connecting with those organizations to Great. see where they're at now in terms of what they submitted back. Um, on January 7th. I just wanted to make sure there weren't barriers to being able to do that. Thank you. And you had said these are already ranked? So they're, yes, they're already it, so ranked. So it wouldn't require a whole new review process of the remaining? That's correct. Thank you. Um, Stephanie, was there a, I, I'm looking at the Exhibit A to the recommendations, which I think in our prior packet had some highlighted mm -hmm. numbers that showed the seven that were selected, but there were also, there was a second column with some additional dollar amounts. Were those ones that were scored or ranked, do you know? Um, I believe those were, some of the rankings included, um, well, I should say uh, universities. 
in public schools. Okay. And so per their uh, rules, those organizations or entities, I should say, could only be secondary applicants and not primary. And so I think that could be what you're referring to. The, the other thing is when I looked at the packet, there's also, I think the Excel document just um, didn't, it, it didn't translate well to PDF. Okay. So I think that's uh, the other reason why it looked like that. Just to be totally clear what we're discussing this evening, was there a recommendation beyond the 75,000 for this round? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. It was just the set. It was, well, there from the commissioners. Yes. Yes. So there was a um, a recommendation for us to consider more funding, an, an additional seventy five thousand. Oh, on this round. The the original recommendation that the commission made back in November was for FY twenty three. So this the round we're on now is FY twenty two. So of the applications that came in, I'm so sorry, I feel like I'm just missing a piece here. Of the applications that came in, I know we got the recommendation to fund 75,000 of those. Was there a recommendation for if the council allocates additional funds, here's what we would want to award? Not, not for FY22. Okay. So we don't have a sense of which or how much mm -hmm. of this round. That they're requesting. <laughs> Well, one thought I'm, I have is if if the plan was to increase the amount to $100,000 next year, uh, that we could perhaps use that as a, a f an amount to increase, or you know, another $25,000 in this round to match what was proposed for the increase next year, plus or minus. I mean, it, to try to capture, you know, based on the the amounts of the ones that would be under consideration, see what we can capture for around $100,000 um, would be my suggestion. So Jeff, if we were, if we were to allocate additional funds, where would they come from? Well, you'd have some you'd have some choices there. I think um, this would be a good opportunity to look at your um, Black Lives Matter set aside that was created a couple of years ago. Um, I think that fits uh, the spirit of that set aside well. The council has not um, utilized that yet, other than the um, budget approval for the TRC. Um, if that um, uh, if, if there is a facilitator contract that comes forward, our intention was to use that one million for that purpose. But other than that, those funds have been untouched, and this seems like a, a natural fit for that category. But if you wanted to explore other funding sources, I could help you navigate that. And I, I do agree that this could be a great opportunity for us to tap into that, and uh, for this to be the, f um, I guess, one of the first. Um, it would be this, really the second allocation of those funds. It could be a great thing for the social justice equity um, grant recipients to really further some of the work that they're doing. Uh, I think for me, one of the things why this was important is because only seven agencies were awarded um, and there was lots and lots of good opportunities um, for our community. Um, I, I'm not opposed to going up to the 25,000. Um, I guess, you know, it, it would be better if council was a little uh, direct 
and very specific as to what the alloc allocated amount would be. So if we're going to consider 25000 then I think we need to be um, very clear about that. Um, if we are going to give some latitude, which we've seen um, I, once we had a, uh, we did increase funding for another commission that um, they really labored um, at trying to determine who was needing, needing the funds. And it came back to council and then at that point council did approve all of the funds to be um, approved for that fiscal year. So again, I would just say if 25,000 is where council wants to land, then I think we need to make that very clear. If there is another thought um, as to increasing it, then I think we need to come to up to amounts um, so that the commission is very, um, they're, they're directed as to what their ask is. Do we have sort of a sense of how many more awards 25,000 would be? We've said we've, we've funded seven different initiatives uh, with this round. Um, and they said they've ranked sort of, so, so the commission seems like it has some idea of who it's next in line and who's in line after that and so on. Um, is there uh, some idea of how many more grants this 25,000 would represent? So I believe the commission received 19. We had 20, and um, there was one that was withdrawn. Um, but the commission, um, usually what they do is just go right in um, line with their ranking. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to that last um, candidate, if that's over the amount, then they go back and make adjustments for um, the, the overage for all the organizations that would get funding. And so if you're, I mean, I would say if they've gotten six, they could probably get four to five more with a $25,000 increase. I was going to say that it, this almost felt a little bit like chicken and egg, but you, I think you actually answered mm -hmm. uh, the riddle in my head was that I would hate for HRC to go back and kind of look at dollar amounts in order to fund if they've already been ranked in order of strength. Um, so, but it sounds like, you know, with that kind of leeway of being able to adjust, um, then there can be some kind of compromising if some projects are, I don't know, perhaps there's one project that everyone said, oh, this was the eighth one, that's horrible, and it was $25,000, that would be great. But maybe there are a couple and it divides out to, to something like that. I, I firmly believe in giving the leeway. I would just hate that it would be more that people would look at what projects to award based on the amount that we were giving, if that it, makes sense. Yeah, it, uh, and the, the um, application form asked organizations if they could do the project with less funding. And, and so they have very specific answers for, for each organization as to whether or not um, lowering the amount would affect their ability to do the proposal. So they wouldn't necessarily have to go with the asks of, say, the, the organization asked for 10000 uh, they, they could go with the 5000 and feel comfortable with doing that. Correct. So I'm, I'm comfortable with the method that they've used all along for many years as far as determining uh, how to distribute the, the funds. So I would be comfortable with adding another 25000 and and be comfortable with them making a decision on, on which of the remaining uh, could utilize those funds the best. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and Council, just so we're clear, so we can bring this back to you next time, you're looking for it out of the Black Lives Matter fund that Jeff mentioned a moment ago. Is, is that okay for a funding source? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Thank you. Great. All right. Any more items on this? All right. Thanks to everyone for being a part of that conversation. The next on our agenda is to discuss process for handling ARPA funding request. And I'm going to turn this one over to Jeff, our city manager, as well. Yeah, I'll be brief here. I just want to call your attention to a late handout that we uh, thought might help the discussion tonight. Um, no new information here, just kind of presented in a, in a simplified way. Uh, you have before you a summary of our ARPA funding priorities that we talked about last September, and then the commitments that we've made um, as of uh, earlier this week. Um, as a reminder, the city, and you can see this summary at the very bottom of this handout, the city has received approximately 18.3 million from our ARPA allocation. We have 3.6 million encumbered, and that's the direct assistance program with Johnson County, the Forest View Relocation Project, and the Mobile Crisis Expansion. So those three commitments combined are the 3.6 million. So you have a remaining balance, uh, uh, the city has a remaining balance in ARPA funds of uh, uh, approximately 14.6 million. The top of the page that you see there, again, are those priorities, um, uh, categories, if you will, of, of funding that we talked about last um, uh, last uh, uh, fall, uh, last September it was. And I just wanted to clarify, in each of those categories, we gave a range of funding at that time because, of course, we didn't have specifics uh, of those uh, efforts uh, nailed down. Um, those, uh, that range is anywhere from 15 million to 32 million. So you have to be careful when you look at that. You can't just look at that right-hand figure and assume that we can fund all those at the highest level. There's going to be some of those categories that have to be funded on that lower end. Um, and as you look at things uh, right now with our first three awards, we're at the we're at the higher end of two of those categories and the lower end of one. So uh, as we progress, we're just going to have to keep an eye on that uh, and balance things out. I think council's focus tonight, uh, as I understand it, is largely around um, nonprofit assistance and the process to go through there. There are two categories that we identified for nonprofit assistance. The first one was in the emergent needs category. That was the five hundred thousand to one million. As envisioned, um, that was um, uh, essentially another round of funding similarly to what we did uh, uh, during the kind of the height of the pandemic to supplement operating dollars for um, our nonprofit agencies. Uh, we have not started that initiative yet, and in our last update memo, we suggested that council may want to consider shifting that down to the capital needs section, the, the strategic investment needs. That's, of course, that's, that's your call. But um, when it comes to those uh, um, capital needs, that's the $3 million to $6 million category under strategic investments. And at the time, what we had considered was a social service needs assessment that would perhaps be done at a county level, perhaps in, in uh, partnership with the county, to get a better idea of capacity building projects uh, that are most in need in our nonprofit sector, and then to provide seed funding to tackle some of those top priorities. Uh, that, would it, that would entail a larger 
um, lengthier process where we actually hire someone that has expertise to do the study, perhaps spend a year doing the study, and then actually making these awards uh, probably in 2023 um, or early 2024. Um, of course, council has discretion to go that route or, or to take proposals uh, in, in some structured way. And I think that was uh, kind of the the, the um, nexus of uh, today's conversation. So happy to answer questions, but that's a, a quick overview on the late handout and where we stand with ARPA today. Mm -hmm. Jeff, I have a question. Is there, um, are there any barriers to using these funds within this fiscal year? No, no. I, I had spoken with someone at the county who had said that they had a certain amount, and it may be because they've already allocated where all of their money is going to go, but I just wanted to, to make yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, we've received half of the money to date, and the other half will be received before this fiscal year. So really, uh, the deadlines that we're looking at are the expenditure deadlines. We have uh, have to make our expenditure commitments by the end of 24, and then have those funds spended, um, uh, expended by the end of 25, is that? 26. So really, those those commitments need to be made by the end of 2024, with the actual dollars being expended by the end of 26. But we can move as as fast as as, as the council wants to um, uh, this fiscal year. I, I do wonder if um, they just meant like reporting uh, for their financial books, but I don't see that as an issue on our end. No, I don't think so. If I can throw out a suggestion, and I don't want to derail anybody else's thought process, um, but as Jeff was talking and said that there's the possibility of sort of folding in the emerging, emerging uh, nonprofit assistance into this larger bucket, I'm a little loath to do that simply because this would be something that delays agencies getting their money, um, and I think that there's room for both. I think that I, I like the idea of actually being able to look at this at a larger level, but I think that to combine the two sources or the two buckets um, at this point, I think that there's sort of a, um, an economic hardship, long-haul COVID effect in the same way that, that people who get COVID <laughs> um, you know, are experiencing it. And so I think that um, it makes sense to keep them separate so that people can get their money, um, agencies or projects can get their money sooner. For the capital planning process, has there been, my assumption is this is bigger than just Iowa City, though it would be county, I mean, all the county services involved. Has there been conversations on any level um, to learn of the county's interests or other no, municipality? Interest? Not really since the joint work session we had with the county board of supervisors when it was just really mentioned that this is something that we can explore. Um, the counties identified quite a bit of their expenditures already. Um, so we'd have to go back and chat with their their staff about you know whether that's something they'd want to entertain or not I would hesitate that I would hesitate to do it just on an Iowa City level I just don't think it's it's going to provide the meaningful results that we need to unless it's done on a county level um, but staff has not had that detailed conversation with with the county seems to me that that's something that we could undertake with other municipalities too, even if it's not the county government, because most nonprofits are kind of more or less tied within their geographic area that may be within cities. 
I assume also, Jeff, that those, none of those conversations have happened, right? Correct. Okay. So one of the things that we do need to try to um, focus in on today is how do we handle um, some of the funding requests and what are allowable, um, you know, what, what does emergency, you know, nonprofit assistance mean? Um, now, we, you know, as far as process, I think there are some things that we can kind of lean on. We have our um, CDBG home funds process that happens. We just heard from the social justice equity uh, grant, how the HCD, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> how they do their uh, process within the HRC. So there are a few things that we can lean on for, you know, uh, at least the structural way of how the process will go, but we also have to determine, well, who's going to, you know, receive those applications, who's going to review them, and, and what that criterion will be. Jeff, can you remind us of the, um, we do have some process in place for emergency requests. Can you just kind of outline what that is? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, um, local nonprofit uh, houses into homes came before the council with some operational assistance um, requests, and uh, the council struggled with that request a little bit because there was obviously we have an aid to agencies process that is designed for to receive applications to be vetted and and then ultimately for awards to be recommended to the city council, and that was one that. Um, came out of sequence uh, a little bit. Um, and, and after that process, the council asked staff to create an a emergency um, support program. And so we, we created that at that time. Um, and it's uh, a, a simple application process uh, that goes directly to our NDS staff who vet that. Um, and then we can make awards um, as, as staff. So it really doesn't even come before council. But it's pretty tight criteria um, to, to qualify as an emergency. Uh, we've only used it a few times since it was established. Um, we used it, for example, for the um, winterization of some of the Forest View um, mobile homes. Um, obviously, that was a situation. Winter was coming. We couldn't wait for the next aid to agency cycle. That process allowed us to provide them some funding out of sync with all the other nonprofit requests. Uh, we also used it recently to um, fund the CWJ's um, efforts to um, increase uh, applications for rental assistance to help those in need um, access state funding and general assistance funding that was created for rental assistance. Again, staff, we made the determination that forcing them to wait six months to go through that process would do more harm because there were people in need of that rental assistance immediately. So those are some examples of some emergent um, needs that we have, um, that we've funded through that process. When we get other requests at the staff level, we will refer them to the aid agency's process. And whether they're a legacy agency or whether they uh, um, would qualify as an emerging agency, that's where we direct them. Um, I will say during COVID, when we got the Additional CDBG dollars, um, we created a nonprofit assistance program. I'm going to look at Tracy to correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's one that we did not um, take through HCDC. Is that, that correct? We did that all at the staff level. Um, 
Yeah, I, I believe so. In order to get those dollars out quickly, we put together a COVID nonprofit assistance program. We accepted those um, applications at the staff level and then um, made those awards again just to expedite the process. And those were largely used for very uh, reactionary types of needs because of the pandemic. So we established some of those neighborhood nests with those. Uh, we provided some mental health funding uh, as, as a few examples through that process. So, you know, you could look to, to that too and you could say, well, let's, this is a, a one-time grant fund. We can create a one-time process for, for use. Is that COVID nonprofit assistance program done? Yeah, but that's when we when we established those priorities in September, and we had that 500,000 to a million emergency nonprofit assistance. That's what we had in mind. Of course, we didn't really know what the needs of the pandemic would be, but we we thought another round of that type of funding um, may be needed, and that's why we put it in there. We haven't really felt that need. We haven't been getting those same type of requests that we got early on in the pandemic. You know, help, help us establish that nest. Help us, you know, bridge. The this critical gap. We're not hearing those requests as much. It's not to say that there aren't certainly needs caused by the pandemic out there, but that's why staff is saying you may want to consider sliding that down to capital needs. If we're not seeing the, the operational needs being as heavy as some of the, the, the capital needs, you have that flexibility. I, I completely understand what the mayor pro tem is saying too, that maybe there are those operation needs and we need to keep those separate. That's really for you all to decide. One of the things that we have here as a, a program or project is the eviction program. So I am not exactly sure if, you know, when, when we kind of started talking about this, we were still in limbo about what was going to be happening at the state level. Um, and, and so where does this seem to be um, still a priority, I guess? I mean, we, we fund it in different ways. Yeah, we um, this one's been on hold a little bit uh, because the state announced a new rapid rehousing program, and we wanted to see what those rules would be so we could best leverage our funds. We didn't want to create a program that was largely duplicating what the state was doing. Um, we do feel like there's still going to be uh, a need for uh, a greater eviction prevention effort over the next few years. Um, so. We're currently trying to work to create a eviction prevention proposal that would um, uh, probably last two to three years and, and would be designed to kind of wrap around and fill those gaps that the state rapid rehousing program will not fill. Uh, we also think that we might be able to um, provide some continued funding for the um, uh, uh, coordinated entry process, which I think is really needed um, uh, right now, and then also um, part of our affordable housing um, plan, uh, uh, part of our affordable housing plan recommendations has been to launch a uh, risk mitigation program for uh, the community, and we think that might be able to be wrapped into the same eviction prevention program. So we're probably looking at the lower end of that range, closer to the 1 million as opposed to the 2 million, but uh, from a staff standpoint and, and talking with uh, some of the nonprofit housing providers, we do think eviction prevention, additional eviction prevention efforts will be necessary. Uh, despite the state's commitments. Sure. 
one thing I think I hear um, kind of some of the discussion is uh, some consideration about the emergency part of the emergency nonprofit assistance and, and perhaps no longer in that same sense of urgency. Um, and then the other end of that spectrum, of course, which I, which I definitely uh, applaud the ideas and, and the, the, the goals of is the longer term assessment and the capital planning. Do we maybe just need to have something that's in between those two stages to sort of take the place of the emergency nonprofit rather than rolling it into the other fund, something like, I don't know if you would call it a uh, ongoing or you know something something that would be somewhat similar, maybe not quite with the same emergency, but also let's you know, help, help agencies kind of bridge the gap from, from going from the emergency to back to, I don't want to use the word normal, but something more normal. And then that would maybe allow us to use some of the things the city has already created so we don't have to recreate wheels and, or yeah, recreate the wheel or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, an appropriate step if, if that's the will of the council. So long as it's defined is kind of where I've been all along. Um, I think that it, I, I have been able to think about this quite a bit, and I do think that um, over, even without COVID, the need in, in the community has gone up and up and up for direct aid agencies, um, and they've come before us to say we need more, and, and previous councils have upped their budget. But I think with COVID, you know, the, the needs were so vast and then equally, um, you know, funding sources dried up. So I think that there is something to think of this. Again, I, I go into the metaphor of like long-term COVID uh, impact. And so, well, actually it's not a metaphor, but <laughs> um, that, that this might be something that we could consider um, a way to help agencies. Um, I just want to make sure that we define it and that this is, and I think that staff has shown time and again um, that they're able to take existing structures and either repurpose them or already have those structures in place to be able to gather the, the input that they need uh, so that we can do this fairly quickly. Um, but I think that we just, we need to decide on what those parameters are so that everyone can get them. I do wonder if um, we focused in on allocating or talking about some funding um, amounts, for, for example, for the emergency nonprofit assistance funding is 500000 to $1 million. Um, So we know that this program goes until 2024, uh, when all the funds for the entire um, ARPA funds has to be uh, spent, or is that awarded? It's awarded. 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 By 2026, Jeff said. Awarded. Committed, yeah. Yes, committed. So, you know, if the 500 to 1 million is where we will remain, we don't know that just yet, but um, potentially, if I'm thinking about like CD, um, like the, um, some of the current uh, commissioners, um, how they do their allocations of funds, um, is year is once a year, but if we were to do something kind of, you know, immediate, and then had somehow increased budgets for the annuals, um, then that could get us to the emergent need right away, and then on an ongoing basis. Either we have, you know, kind of what uh, Councilor Burgos was talking about. Well, I think she was somewhat alluding to, you know, that nonprofit assistance program, that COVID, 
maybe there is a separate, you know, one that we do for that, or we can just add, you know, a little more money um, to a normal process for the nonprofits. But I, I wonder if there is any thoughts on or any interest in trying to determine how we could, you know, figure out an emergent thing now, um, and then how we can consistently um, have individuals um, get some support between now and 2024? Or do we just put it all in right now in one pot? Or do we kind of spread it out? Well, I, I liked what I was hearing Sean and Megan saying about kind of uh, not necessarily as emergent as we saw in the height of the pandemic, but still, you know, COVID-related, obviously, and, and, you know, tying to impacts that we've seen and needing to get that out the door much more quickly than I think the needs assessment would allow. I agree with all of that. And I think it also is, um, you know, the, the thing that I said, I don't know if it was last meeting or meeting before, that I'm just concerned that if we don't have some kind of, like, announcement or understanding that, you know, just everybody needs to know what we're doing because we have agencies that are very skilled at asking for money and that's absolutely what they should be doing. Um, and those who maybe are kind of like waiting for us to say these funds are available. And I think it can be tricky or unfair if we just start doing like a first come first serve without ever saying this is what we're doing. Right. Um, and that's my kind of my concern with when we entertain one off requests. Do we have any pending requests other than the CWJ wage theft one? Uh, not that I'm aware Do of. Do we know of? No. Okay. And, and Jeff, you'd mentioned like kind of sending organizational requests through the aid to agencies process. Is there kind of like criteria for that that are shared with folks or do you know what I mean? Like how, how would an organization who comes to the city know if that might fit into like the emergency versus the annual kind yeah, of Yeah, I think our, our staff, Tracy, maybe you can come up and help me here. Um, you know, if we get an inquiry from a nonprofit that says, you know, we have this need, can you help us? Usually it's Tracy and her staff that'll say, okay, uh, he here are the possible avenues that we may be able to assist you. If it's operational assistance, it's probably going to be through the aid agencies program. If it's, you know, something more urgent or a one-time expense, like a capital type expense, we'll explore other options like social justice, racial equity grant or a climate grant. Um, so I don't know if you have any examples or... We look at the request and find out, one, is it, is it truly, does it meet our definition of emergency? Can you wait for our regular allocation processes? If not, especially if it's pandemic related, do we have, is it the opportunity fund, the emergent, emergent situation, the affordable housing fund, or what we could fit it in. Um, and if, if if it meets those criteria, then we're talking to Jeff about where we could fund it and what pot of funds we, it could come from. Do you have a sense, Tracy, that there's some need for this kind of less emergent <laughs> that we're talking about? We're getting calls. I've gotten a couple from nonprofits wondering, you know, when and at another application round, they're aware that something's coming at some point mm -hmm. and they want to know when it is. So setting that or letting them advance notice or they, they can plan and what they're going to apply for. Mm -hmm. I think would, they'd appreciate that. So, but the only written request we've got is the one that Jeff mentioned. Okay. Thank you. 
I do have a question for you, Tracy. Um, so the aid to agency process, um, that's something that has been happening forever. We have seen um, requests for COVID-related funding be a little less, um, I'll use the word involved. Um, do you, and I don't know how the COVID nonprofit assistance program was, if that was a little less involved. Is there a potential that whatever we set up here that, um, you know, if we're going to be under your umbrella uh, asking for assistance, that it could be less involved applications? Appropriate, but a little less involved. Oh, then the, then the then United the, Way joint funding process? Yes. yes. <laughs> if it's local funding and there's not federal funds involved, yes, we can have a simplified application process. Okay. Even with this program, this, it's, it's, this is federal funds, but I think it's very much simplified compared to CDBG funds. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If it's Thank not you. CDBG, we can we can simplify it. Okay. okay. Great. Well, what was the process by which the uh, the Board of Supervisors, you know, Johnson County on on the CWJ proposal? Um, they they went through some process. I'm assuming. I'm what, not aware of their what process. What was that process? That I don't know. I think that was just their general ARPA discussion. I mean, they had several meetings on ARPA priorities, and they developed lists of dozens and dozens of projects and went through and I voted actually, on those. I, I spoke with Supervisor Sullivan um, earlier today, and in fact, he gave me their process. So, if, I mean, it's, it's, it was fairly simple in description, more difficult to execute. But... Um, they solicited requests, whether it was projects or agencies. Um, they gave them to staff to um, sort of go through a three-part process. Um, the first is, does this fit the Department of Revenue guidelines? Um, does it fit the county's strategic plan? And then, is this an organization that we've worked with before? And or is some kind of criteria of, I, I'm assuming, a sort of trustworthiness or, you know, of, of um, you know, a degree of um, confidence. Then those applications, once they kind of got vetted a little bit and through that criteria, then they gave them to the supervisors who sat and he said it took a very long time, but he talked, they talked it through and, um, and they awarded somewhere above 30, but around about there. So that was, it was a very simple process to vet the things, but then the work was there. So. I'd spoken with um, Mayor Foster from Coralville to see what their, excuse me, process was too, and uh, kind of similar to that. And basically, they just received uh, technically some applications. They didn't put a request out for applications, but uh, nonprofit organizations had just applied to them or asked them uh, for some funding, and they they talked about it, their process, which I believe that's how I would define a process. I would define that this is a process that we're going through right now, uh, discussing it. That's a process. Uh, is, is to talk about it and then make a decision, and that's what they did. Then during their council meeting was discuss, uh, weigh the pros and the cons, and and which which ones to give funds to, and how much funds. Of course, they had much much less than than what we have. I think only six million versus our eighteen million, uh, but that's the process that they went through, and that's what I would say. I mean, we're doing right now is is going through that process of of talking about it and and deciding, you know, what to do with the funds. I, I go ahead. I mean, it seems to me that in addition to creating a process, that one key, if we're, if we're going to differentiate it either among the ARPA funds or between the ARPA funds and normal aid to agencies is we want, if we want this to be more of a countywide process, has the organization 
also gone to other entities within within the county and solicited funds, sort of created their own universe, or they, or is this a one-off? And um, I would be more in favor of looking at 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 agent at organizations that are that are looking for that that have really tapped into different municipalities as well as the county, so that it really ends up being countywide. And, and that may be a really good marker for how we consider this. Um, I just want to circle back a little bit in terms of I, I hear what you're saying, Pauline, about um, this, this becoming a process, which, which it is. However, I think of the stringency with which we're not allowed to talk about certain things if they're not on the agenda. And when we're talking about money going out, I do not think that it is necessarily fair for the agency, hopefully they tuned in to hear our process and know that there is money available. I think that we absolutely have to make it visible and transparent and communicate it publicly uh, and, and officially that there is money, you know, that we are entertaining projects or um, additional operating funds or whatever it might be that they need. But I just, I think that and it might be that, that with North Liberty and Coralville, because it was much less money and that they could do that, and it was less of a, a concern. I just think that the amount that Iowa City actually has built into their annual budget for supporting direct aid agencies, we have to have a slightly different process than what the others do, and it needs to be open and communicative so that all of the agencies know this. Um, I, I back what, what Laura said, which as much as I admire and also respect the work that is done by um, you know, people who have directors who have taken the initiative to say, this is a project that we need, um, I'm, I'm not okay with simply the means being a one-off. And, and I do take your point also as well, that this has created kind of a universe so that there is a, a full county kind of and municipality um, universe. But I think that we need to, uh, there are many other agencies that equally operate in, in a similar fashion, and we need to afford them the opportunity to to weigh in and to apply for these things too. Right, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree, uh, but I, uh, at the same time, I would add that that, that something else that's, that I'm thinking of as a criteria is, is a criterion is, is this essentially a one-off or a, a request so that it's not because these funds are one-time funds? Is this a a specific, a specific request with a specific mm -hmm. end yeah. in mind for for a specific project that we're not that you know the, the particular one that we're that we're skirting around talking about about CWJ asks for certain cert, a certain amount for each of five years, mm -hmm. but then it ends. So to me, that's that's another important criterion when we're when we're looking at when we're if we're soliciting if we're soliciting applications or looking at applications that it that it be both countywide and um, and finite. and finite. I'm not exactly. Sure. Oh, please. I was just going to say I, I I do respect what uh, Mayor Pro Tem is saying, but to say that these agencies might not have been aware. I mean, we have this list right here, and it was over a year ago when the whole practically world knew we were getting 18 million dollars. And several times over at the um, senior center, the room was packed full of people who were wanting money and talking about it, and specifically for the aid to, to, to workers. But it was well-known fact, and obviously we made this list. We set our priorities and said these, these are the things that we're going to look at giving funds to. Uh, they should have been well aware. We shouldn't have to hold their hand and, and go out and, and one by one say, you know, you know, we got this list, you should apply. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> 
one by one, I think. That's just my opinion. As a public <laughs> announcement that we're open to accepting applications now. We've had a couple of other things that we've had to take care of. Yeah. And I also think just some semblance of what kind of program are we talking about. I've had a number of conversations and meetings about the uh, the BIPOC business support and what that could look like and people who are interested. And, you know, it's similar to, to what Tracy said of just kind of like, well, we'll have a structure, but we're kind of waiting. It's not figured out yet. And so I do think people know about it, but it's the at what point they make an ask and what does the ask look like that I think we owe them a little more information. I'm interested to know if staff was like freaking out with council talking about specific criteria or, you know, this is not normally our purview. I know ARPA is, uh, I don't mean, I don't mean that we're talking about things not on the agenda. I just mean from a policymaking standpoint, like, are we normally we defer to staff or the commissions who are making these decisions to kind of deal with all the specifics? I know ARPA's different. Are we looking to council to do that? Because we need to set some time to hash that out, I think, if that's where we're headed. Yeah. I, you know, we've, I think just me personally and probably other staff, and I think some of you have had conversations with other either nonprofits or for profits saying, <laughs> at what point can I approach the city? My response has always been, we're kind of working through these systematically, right? And, and we're going through, we went through the direct assistance program, we were going through the forestry program, we're working on eviction prevention. When we get to the nonprofit piece, we'll have some type of process. I really don't think it's in your best interest to just say, Bring us, your, bring us your proposal and we'll discuss them one by one. I think you will be overwhelmed um, and you'll be struggling to figure out exactly how to sift through those. It's better to define the process up front. That said, if you have certain priorities in the community that you want to elevate, you can determine that now. And, and you've already done that. We've already done that, uh, for example, with mobile crisis. We identified from the outset that we wanted to um, expand mobile crisis services in the community. Um, there's only really one agency that provides that service, so we went and we worked with them to do that. If there are other segments of the nonprofit um, uh, sector that you really think that these ARPA funds are well designed to lift up and to expand and to create capacity like we'd have done with mobile crisis, you can identify those up front and then take a, a, a one-off proposal. Um, so the wage theft is a, is a good example. There's really only one agency that I'm aware of that, that really works on, on wage theft throughout Johnson County. It's the Center for Worker Justice. Um, we, didn't def we didn't identify that as a top priority back in September with these initial ARPA funds. If you want to go back and say that that's a top priority, then I think that's easier for staff to, to go back and talk to the other agencies and say, listen, the council made a decision that wage theft was a top priority, and we're going to work with the Center for Worker Justice and the other municipalities in the county to carry out actions to um, advance our efforts in that area. But I don't think you can just do that through the whole, for the whole nonprofit sector. I think if, if you want to take all of those kind of on equal footing, you need to have a process to accept those. And that process can look a number of different ways. We can, we, we can do that as staff, or you can funnel that through HCDC. You could manage it yourself. You know, you could be the ones to sift through those applications. It's a lot on top of what, what you're doing, um, but that could be done as well. So. Um, I would I would strongly suggest unless wage theft is 
that single priority or, or a, a, you're going to put that above everything else, then you create a process and you invite applications. I think that's going to be the easiest thing for you to manage. And I do think that there are agencies that are patiently waiting for that opportunity and, and at least that have approached staff. And you know, we've said, hold off, we're not really considering those things quite yet. Uh, to, to be clear, I'm not trying to say, I'm definitely not trying to say that we, the council, should make these decisions. I'm, I'm saying that I think that, that elements of a, of a process should include those things because we're looking, we, we started out saying that things should be essentially countywide. So, so having someone, uh, organizations apply for things that are, that are countywide as well as finite funds. Um, but I don't, I, I don't think that those are, these are decisions that council itself should be making other than to define priorities. Yeah, I, I will just make mention that um, there are lots of not-for-profit agencies out there that certainly do need assistance, and I know that this council has, um, you know, traditionally, I mean, we just talked about um, giving additional funds to, um, you know, um, social justice, racial equity grants that weren't funded. And so... Uh, there are agencies out there that do great work that we are not aware of, that we may not be aware of that um, do need some assistance. And so I would, um, you know, caution us to make sure that we um, are not, you know, just taking in consideration all of the opportunities that we could give an agency to really uh, continue uplifting uh, some of the work that is benefiting a lot of people. Um, you know, within our community. So I, I'm not, you know, totally sold on the, you know, whatever projects have to be countywide, um, you know, because then, you know, Iowa City's money is, you know, could be supporting, um, you know, someone that lives in another city, not to say that, you know, we don't want to do that. But again, I think, you know, the, the city funds, um, I, I really do believe should be more expansive than any project that is just looking at county. I'm not saying that a project couldn't, you know, be looking at the county, but I think if we limit it that it has to be a countywide project, then um, there will be a lot of not-for-profits that need this assistance that won't be able to get it. Well, I, I feel, with, you know, with the, the one proposal that I think, you know, is sort of we're, in a sense, indirectly trying to address, I guess you might say, with the CWJ proposal that, you know, and sort of responding to, to some of Jeff's comments, um, you know, it was actually something that three other public entities in Johnson County had, have already identified as what arguably I would, I would say was an, uh, an emerging need um, with regard to the ARPA framework and have already decided that it was uh, something that they were interested in funding. And we're the one remaining uh, public entity uh, significant, of significant size and significant funding that would be part of what logically should be framed as a countywide effort. And um, as Jeff also noted, in terms of, of how we would address that need, there is, there is some, to some degree, a sole source aspect to it. I mean, there, there just are not that many nonprofits who, if we, if we agree that wage theft is a concern and a priority, um, there just aren't that many nonprofits who would be interested in serving in that capacity. 
Um, I mean, I would be very interested in under, you know, if, if in any way we can use Johnson County as a model or adapt their process as a model for justifying such a decision. Uh, you know, that's something I'm interested in. Um, but it does seem we, we've been kind of caught in a situation where, uh, you know, the 75% the, the of the major entities, public entities in Johnson County have, have made a decision on this. And uh, in a sense, we're the gap in filling out the process and uh, or the, the, the framework for, for the program. And, um, you know, it, it's, it seems like it's, it's mostly in place and that, that there's a role for us to play in that as well. Uh, so I, I think there's time in which we can consider what that process will be. Um, insofar as three other entities have, have come forward, there is significant funding already in place for that project to initiate. It's a, and it's a five-year program. So I think there still is time if we want to try to identify how we provide that framework, if we feel it's necessary to feel more comfortable making that decision. Um, but I do think there are cer certain unique aspects about it that separate it from perhaps what we will more generally be addressing uh, in this program. As Councillor Thomas mentioned, um, uh, we do, there are other parts of our joint entities and we just met with them recently uh, out there that, um, and I have confidence in, in our fellow joint entities that, um, that have already decided to support uh, this that we're talking about, uh, this county and the cities of Coralville and North Liberty, and, and I salute them for having done that. And if, if the wish of the rest of the council and staff is that uh, we look at it a little closer, put it on the next agenda, and then actually make the decision so that it's more public, then I'll go along with that. But other, other entities have already done it, so I think uh, they've, they've made, uh, made the path for us already. I do, I, I at least want to make mention that um, in April 21st info packet, uh, there was a submission by CWJ uh, to the count, uh, to the, uh, to the council. And so a lot of people are referring to that and, and because I think we have to be a little sensitive to um, how we're talking about this item um, because we're including, uh, you know, at, ex, at a, a great extent, one specific entity. Um, so. I at least wanted to bring in that there was a submission to council that is related to the April 21st info packet. I ask, because it's been a long time since we really talked about it, what was intended under the category workforce development um, in, the, in this under strategic investments? Um, we had considered some uh, supplemental uh, apprenticeship programs as well as childcare programs were the two main things. I have a, oh, go ahead. I just thank you. Uh, a question and, and a couple of thoughts, but before then, I just uh, wanted to, uh, uh, Council Member Weiner, you had mentioned you wanted to pause at five o'clock if possible. Did you still want to oh. do that? No? 
Yeah, I just, uh, which is entirely non-relevant to what we're doing, but there there are gatherings at courthouses, county courthouses around the country at five o'clock local time today in order to support um, reproductive rights, abortion, abortion rights, uh, and make a statement. And I just wanted to acknowledge that we cannot be there, uh, but that's happening here. Um, so, uh, one idea conceptually, conceptually I had as we talk about this, and we uh, talked a little bit earlier about, you know, we're kind of in a situation, neither fish nor fowl, in terms of it's not really an emergency situation anymore, but we're, we're really looking at wanting to get moving on stuff a little faster than the long-term planning. So I was trying to think of what conceptually could give us a framework to start moving in that direction. And I'm gonna throw, throw an idea out there, and it does not have to, not marry to this or anything, but just to sort of shift that a little bit, it, that line, maybe like a build, build back better COVID recovery nonprofit assistance. Uh, with the idea being is we have an opportunity um, here to do some stuff. And, and um, in this case, talking about the proposal from CWJ, um, I wasn't on the council back in September. I certainly would have been happy to, to voice my support for this issue. Uh, but in September, I was running on, on issues of economic justice and wage theft is absolutely one of the things I talked was talking about in September. Uh, but again, not on this council at that time. So, um, And I could certainly go on and I could talk about the responsibility of our city to protect people from wage theft. Um, if I'm an, an employee and I walk into my place of business and I take 500 bucks out of the till, and we'll put it in my pocket and walk out. They're gonna call the cops and I'm gonna be in handcuffs and rightly so. If you flip that script and an employer doesn't pay their worker, the worker doesn't have the same sort of ability to have that instant sort of reaction of, of the justice because we have this weird structural problem. Um, and so, um, you know, in that case, the worker's like, well, you can take it to court, which if you're working, if you're already making, just barely making ends meet, you don't have time to do that. Um, you know, and to even know how to navigate that. So we have a great opportunity to join some partners to, to really protect our citizens, which is what this, which that one proposal comes down to. So that's, that's kind of an issue that I do feel very strongly about. And I do think the city, and I think probably everybody up here probably agrees with this. Um, so I'm not like, you know, the, by any means should take any special credit. But I just want to you know, say, because I wasn't here, that that would be something that, that's really important. If the mechanism to get there is by doing something where we shift this emergency nonprofit assistance to a COVID recovery nonprofit assistance or a Build Back Better COVID recovery, um, and we can do so with some, some, you know, some reasonable amount of speed, um, I think that may be getting us in the right direction. Which then brings me to my question. If the council were to give some clear direction um, to staff, what would the turnaround time be from like, because I mean, you've got some stuff in place, but you have to create some new stuff. Any ballpark idea of what that would look like in, in practice or in application? Um, it, it'd be hard to get it on your next agenda, honestly. We've got our Forest View relocation clinics coming up uh, this week and next week, and that's where a large uh, part of the staff effort is going to be. Um, but we could we could try to get it on in May. Uh, probably what's most important to the C CWJ is that they they have a commitment. So even if even if they knew that hey, it may take a, a month, a month and a half to get the actual contract under place, if they felt like that commitment was there, they could probably move forward with some of their plans. Um, would be my guess, but you said May, did you mean June? Uh, oh yeah, June. Sorry, sorry, we're already in May. <laughs> Time flies. Thank you. Well, I'm super encouraged to hear that 
you know, staff could come back so quickly with a framework for a process. And I also I agree with Councillor Thomas that this is kind of a, a easily distinguishable request for the, the one proposal. So I don't I would prefer that we try not to create a process with, you know, I think this example is super helpful as we've been talking about it, but I hope that we don't put requirements in place or elevate, you know, for example, already funded by other entities as like a, you know, a necessary sort of step for, for this. Although I do think that maybe putting some weight on the who else is, in, you know, supporting you is always, um, or where else can you get funded? Like we heard with the um, the grants that the Human Rights Commission just considered. I think that is important. But I, I think this particular request is is distinguishable and you know could be considered somewhat out of turn based on its the aspects that we've been talking about. And I agree. I think based on the idea that we don't know how many other some we've heard some stuff tonight that make me think that some other entities. Um, uh, governmental bodies have already allocated their funds. So if we were to create that as a new criteria, it, that door may have already closed in other places. I, although I agree with the looking at it as like, hey, this is a good thing that helps mm -hmm. with the application. Yeah, and as opposed to, plus as opposed to if we wanted to get that far into the weeds, so. Yeah, I, I think the easiest thing for you to do is not, not worry so much about the mechanics, but if, if wage theft is, is a priority area for you, just make that commitment, make that statement, and, and allow staff to put together an agreement to, to bring back to you. That said, I also want to I also want to let you know that um, I, I don't want you to feel like the city's been kind of sitting on our hands when it comes to wage theft. Um, the, the CWJ did the CWJ did get uh, funding this year through your emerging agency process, and wage theft was the primary component of that application. So I could make the argument that we were well ahead of the other agencies <laughs> or the other municipalities in already funding the effort against wage theft before this additional request came on. That said, if you want to join them in this new partnership that the CWJ outlined, just make, you know, make it known that that's a priority for this council and that you want to join your, your other governmental body, bodies in doing this. Um, I think this council's expressed a lot of support for working with area governments before. This seems like a good, a, a good opportunity if, if your priorities align. We'll get the agreement together and get it back to you um, as quickly as we can. Uh, well, I'll state right now, it shouldn't be any surprise that the, that will be a priority of mine, the, the wage theft. I mean, I was I was shocked to know uh, the extent of it statewide. Um, and I, I think that we need to take the issue very seriously and make clear uh, that the city uh, has a lack of tolerance uh, for this behavior by employers, that we won't tolerate this in, in our city, in our community, and, and surrounding areas. And I just think it's really important uh, that, that we do make that statement. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity for uh, you know a unified voice by the major entities of Johnson County uh, the, to state that wage theft is a priority. And um, in looking at the proposal, uh, you know, so, so as, a, as a value statement, and then looking at the proposal, uh, you know, with respect to the, the costs as, as proportioned for the various entities, it, it all seemed to be proportional. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me in terms of our piece of that overall proposal. It, it all seemed very reasonable to move forward with it. 
we also are, are looking at our strategic priorities up here on the screen and in front of us, and, and just uh, three of those in particular fall right into this, and it's, uh, I think, the advanced social justice, racial equity, and human rights. I mean, it's basic human right to be paid what you've earned. Uh, strength and community engagement and intergovernment relations, again, we're talking about working with the other entities, uh, the county and, and the other cities, falls right into that. Promote an inclusive and resilient economy through the city, making sure that these workers are paid what they deserve and what they need so that they can live in this community, because it's over and over again we hear how expensive it is to live in this community. Um, and I just think that uh, by looking at these things and keeping in mind our strategic priorities, uh, we're putting action to these words that right there are on the screen. So it does appear that, um, you know, for that this council wants to treat that as a separate kind of a, a, a item, which is um, what I'm hearing. Um, and I'm, I've seen a lot of not enough heads to kind of direct um, staff to move forward with the agreement on that. All right, so that's great. Um, and then if we can come back to kind of the emergency not-for-profit assistance, what we want to do, um, it sounds like from what I've been hearing, um, Thank you for your uh, titles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love them. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, build back better uh, COVID nonprofits and COVID recovery nonprofit assistance. Um, but but it does seem to me that we want to direct staff to. Um, you know, I, I think there was a lot of discussion here with some uh, some some consensus of um, we do want to. Um, make sure that we have an application process um, that is open to the public. We want to be very transparent and communicative um, about this process. Um, I, I think it might be helpful to identify, we, you know, we talked about that range, 500K to 1 million. Um, if we can really, um, and maybe we don't need to get that done today, um, I was hoping that we could at least look at one or two other initiatives <laughs> that we have here and kind of mm -hmm. uh, at least start the conversation if, even if we didn't finish it. Um, I think um, affordable housing initiatives, uh, that's pretty important, as well as the BIPOC business support infrastructure. Um, just from what I've you know been hearing and talking with um, not only council but people in the community, um, if we could you know, at least touch base on those topics so that we are not kind of behind the, <laughs> behind it, you know, in the near future. Yeah. I, um, I very much like the yes and of, um, and that there has been a way that makes sense for us to join in partnership as well as not, um, sort of creating this as simply a, a, a one-off that doesn't have the logic behind it. Um, so I'm also really glad that there will be sort of a shift so that there can be an open process for other agencies because I guarantee that DVIP, re inside out, table to table, you know, free medical clinic, they all have needs as well. And I think, you know, and we know that. So I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. I know and, that. And we, and we have funds. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's just a matter of, of starting that process once um, we, we get going. So I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to come to a place that works as a yes and. 
So I just wanted to throw that. Will out there. it be? Oh, thank. Sorry about that. <laughs> Will it be helpful to? Um, I guess for the council to really identify the funds or just um, just kind of say to staff, come back. And then we can, you know, because there's this, um, as we talked about, kind of this urgent, not emergent um, um, need. But, you know, is it going to be a one time, you know, like we're going to put all of the money in now and it's once the application closes, it's done. Yeah, here's what I would suggest is is you allow us to come back with a looking at this emergent needs category, um, allow staff to give you a recommendation on a process. Um, I'd recommend the lower end, the $500,000, because we're already over on two of those other categories. So let's do what we would recommend to you as a process for um, a distribution of up to $500,000 in uh, a COVID recovery grants for nonprofits. And you can look at whatever we recommend and, and tweak it how you see fit, and then we can, we can move forward with that. Um, on, the, on the strategic investment, the more the capital side of things, we should probably touch base with the county and the other cities first and see if there's any interest in the larger needs assessment. If that answer is yes, then we can kind of describe what that would look like to you. Um, uh, if it's no, then we probably need to come back and just develop our own process for granting out um, the larger capital dollars. I think those two things we can move forward on right away and, and hopefully get close to, you know, rolling out the, the, we could do the grant program, you know, yet here this summer for sure, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, I think we've got the COVID recovery program as a model already. So that would be my recommendation. And then um, well, I'll, I'll leave it there. If you want to get into those other categories, I can update you on where, I, I think where we are now. I was saying a lot of not enough heads for those other two categories. It would be helpful because when I look at the BIPOC business support infrastructure, that word infrastructure in itself <laughs> lets me know that it's going to be a huge undertaking. And so I just wanted to maybe at least start the conversation because if, if there's some initial legwork that um, we have to either um, you know, refer to a consultant or someone that we can at least start that process. Yeah, so that's really been in holding because we know that Estig Planning is is doing a lot of research right now uh, in in the BIPOC business community, and uh, they've presented at a couple of your public comment meetings in the last couple of months just to update you on on how they're progressing. We expect them to uh, finalize their report in June or July um, of this year, and uh, our understanding is there'll probably be a good foundation uh, uh, not only to support this level of expenditure, but also some helpful recommendations on where it might need, you know, where we might need to focus. So um, I would recommend um, just maybe exercising patience for a couple more months, receive that report from Mystique Planning, and then um, we can craft a strategy uh, based on that report. Um, it doesn't mean you have to follow each of those recommendations, but I think it'll provide some really helpful background to, to, to base your decisions on. Does staff want to, um, does council want to wait uh, for that? that? I mean, that, that's really helpful and useful, I think. 
Okay. All right. I think, Mayor, just to, to follow up, because I know you've been talking with people in the community, too, making, making sure that they are directed to this inclusive economic development planning process to provide input if they have specific ideas, I think, is important since that's still underway. Yeah, that's a good, good point. So affordable housing initiatives. Um, yeah, the, the, um, the, the one conversation that we've started um, is with the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County. We've uh, had some initial conversations with their director about a um, rental um, um, program funded through ARPA. So that would be looking at permanent affordable housing in, on the rental side of things. Um, we have not crafted a proposal yet. We've kind of exchanged some ideas, but candidly, it's been kind of put on the back burner as we've worked through the, the direct assistance and the Forest View stuff. There is an interest to partner um, from the um, trust fund of Johnson County. I think they're a natural partner uh, because they're, you know, um, uh, because of their board makeup and just the, the, the reach that they have, the experience that we have uh, with them and, and stewarding uh, public dollars. So I think we could craft a, a, a strong program for um, uh, affordable housing. It doesn't mean it has to take up the, the entire amount of funding in this category, but um, uh, I think initially what staff had in mind was about a million dollar um, pool of funds, maybe million, million and a half, somewhere in that range. We have to kind of uh, cost out some some projects, if you will, to know what would provide a meaningful uh, amount for them. Uh, but then empowering them and uh, the, the staff there and the board to, to really leverage those funds with all the other um, funding sources that, that they kind of are at the intersection of um, and create some permanent affordable housing in the rental sector. I do want to just get um, council thoughts on that partnership. Um, does that, are there any other partnerships that, or initiatives that council is thinking about for affordable housing initiatives? I mean, just to make sure I understand, Jeff, that um, this would be in addition to our, like we have our million dollars every year, and I think, is it 75% of that? 50% goes to the housing trust 75%. Thank you. So 750,000 annually goes to this these pooled funds that are then leveraged with private dollars and other other funding sources to create larger projects. So this would be a big infusion into that same pool, is that right? Correct. We okay. may have some we, we may look to put some additional strings on that to, to direct it in a certain way. So for example, if we really wanted to target it towards rental housing, we, we would put those additional strings kind of like you do now. The seven hundred and fifty thousand that you you provide now, two hundred and fifty thousand of that has LITEC strings attached. We've said we'd like these two hundred and fifty to be reserved for LITEC projects. We could do the same with the ARPA funds. That's the type of discussions we're having with Ellen right now. And then um, the the housing affordable housing committee that was meeting, uh, we're still waiting for that presentation. Yeah, there was a big there was a big document in our right in, in our in our right. in, 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 So you in, could look to that report to create additional right. initiatives as well. Right, and and so that's why I wanted to just talk about are there other initiatives I, um, that we wanted, and maybe we probably should have that discussion a little later just to go through that. 
a report. Yeah, I think you're going to want a full work session to, to consider That's, that plan. I would think that would be really useful because they're, right now they're, it's ta they're talking about using, we have the range here is from, at least that we see here is from 2.5 million to 6 million. That's a big piece, but 1 million is, whether it's the low end or the high end, 1 million is still a relatively small part of that. Mm -hmm. yep. So there's plenty of. So we'll get a, a affordable housing work session yes. um, going. Um, anything else that we um, maybe want to just uh, touch base on within the, ARPA? Uh, within the ARPA? I mean, it's all fair game to talk about. Uh, the, do we, where do we stand, if, if anywhere, on the climate resiliency uh, piece of it? Uh, is, is that something that our, that our Climate Commission is looking at or others are giving input on? Now, yeah, back last year uh, when we were developing this framework, uh, we had some conversations with the Iowa Flood Center about what a partnership may, may look like. They actually assist cities across the country um, with uh, resiliency planning. And so they certainly have um, the expertise to, to take some of our resiliency planning to the next level. They can do some uh, phenomenal modeling that may help us um, make infrastructure decisions in the future, uh, for example. Um, but we really haven't picked up those conversations from last summer, uh, so that would be um, that would be staff's uh, next step on that. It's just not one that we've we've gotten to. And if we haven't yet, I think it would be wonderful for our, you know, our climate staff to be. I just asked that question of if there's another, you know, if there if there was a million dollars here, you know, just for kind of like what's on our list or what are ideas, things that we know we could prioritize if we had more funds. I'd be interested in that input. Yep. Okay. As well as from the commission. And I, I know that. Um, uh, individuals may, that may own their own property could come to the city to get loans and that type of stuff. There could be a climate action initiative that is attached there, um, whether they're coming here for loans or not. But um, maybe just um, if people are changing some stuff at their house, maybe there's an opportunity um, for there to be some funding to get more climate um, actionable items. I think that's an excellent idea, Mayor, especially since, you know, we're coming up on, you know, by 2030, we have to have reduced our uh, amounts by so much. And I think anything we can do to help uh, the private residents, uh, especially to uh, do what they can as far as insulation or new windows or, or whatever it might be, solar panels, I think, I think that's an excellent idea. And I know for businesses, Wendy Ford has been, you know, um, with some of these zones, um, there's been opportunities there and, and maybe just working with some staff about what what might be some possibilities. Yeah, our staff is, uh, we have a couple of programs to date. So what we've done is we've looked at our existing programs for residential rehab, for example, South District program would be another example, and we've layered climate um, uh, funds on top of those funds to, to kind of take our efforts to the next level. Um, but our staff, our climate staff is working on um, conceptually what a residential kind of energy efficient rebate program w would look like. So a lot of those things are, are pretty far along and uh, uh, stay tuned and they'll, they'll be there. Yeah. That, that, that could be really, that could be really forward looking and exciting. I mean, one of the things that, that that people don't often think about is replacing your furnace or getting or, or changing a gas furnace to an electric furnace uh, because that 
that greatly lower, reduces the carbon footprint, but it's not cheap. Are there any other items uh, that we want to uh, talk about right now from the ARPA funds? I'd actually like to bring up the workforce development pot, uh, simply because Jeff had mentioned um, that childcare would be one of the th initiatives um, that could potentially be, or, or some initiatives could be taken sort of in part with that. And um, there, are to my way of thinking, there's a lot of um, interesting things that are already in the works. So we would not have to tax staff to come up with something. Um, it's a merely a matter of being able to tap in and support programs that are going on. So um, I know that um, there's, uh, actually Janice is on um, the Iowa City Task Force. You were on it as well. Um, since that time, it's taken more um, shape through a lot of work that's been done in connection with the county, but then also um, Jennifer Banta was part of the governor's uh, task force coalition and so really has a nice sense of sort of different ways in which um, we could potentially um, be able to support some initiatives that are going on um, that actually also tap into some of the other priorities that we have, especially um, BIPOC and immigrant populations. Um, and so it, that's just something I want to continue to put on people's radars because these are things that we could actually end up supporting as they are getting off the ground and, right. and it would be fairly easy for us to do. Right, and one could even be sort of working with the, with them and with the school district. Absolutely, right, on, because on as we heard from joint Helping entities. provide wraparound care for pre-K yes. and so forth. Yeah. I wonder if um, we could, you know, since this is already an existing um, group that's meeting, if we can kind of direct staff to have some conversations and find um, maybe what some of the needs are. Um, as I heard you, you know, just talking, one of the things that came to me is the work of four C's and what they do with um, in-home uh, providers. Um, I, I, I know that there's needs out there. Uh, there's need for more providers. There's uh, needs with the current providers, and I think that, um, you know, that could be an opportunity as well that we could kind of navigate. But just wondering if we, we're not trying to put too much on staff, but as they're in, you know, various places, maybe there could be some conversations just starting um, with these existing mm -hmm. um, programs. And maybe coordinating that with our anticipated child care discussion at a work session that we're having, we're talking about having. I don't know when, when that may occur, but it seems sure. to me that. Yeah, I think it could kind of all fit together, actually. Great. I'm seeing majority. Great. All right. Anything else right here? We've bitten off, bitten off a lot. All right. We're going to go to the next item, <laughs> which is going to be uh, clarification of agenda items. Forgive me on process. Is this where we note if we want to pull out something from consent? Yes. Um, I just want to pull out the uh, the um, USG appointment and just to be able to welcome the appointments of the new uh, graduate student or the new student representatives. Yep. And and I and what we'll do is during our um, well one super excited mm -hmm. uh, for this opportunity. So yes. Um, and. W 
I think what we'll do is during our comment, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll just have, council can talk about it during comment. So just kick me. Yeah, so we, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we won't actually pull it out separate, Perfect. but there will be a great opportunity to discuss it. Right. The other item on there that I wanted, that I thought we could also comment on, is the is the energy efficiency grant, um, because that's really that's um, a, a real plus for um, the community and the the Lazanski's commitment to. Mm -hmm. All right. Info packet discussion April twenty first. We will talk about. Um, the council listening post that's going to take place at the workforce uh, public works open house on may 21st um maybe we'll start there any interest in being a part sure i've not done one so okay i can go at any point so if if someone hasn't done one um be my guest yeah i can do it okay and, yep. I'm going to be there already, but um, <laughs> I don't know what my role is while I'm there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I can be the third if I'll be the third. All right. So there we have it. Any other items from Info Packet April 21st? And we did talk about the CWJ, and that's great for that opportunity. Yes. So it's okay. With, with respect to the, the electric bus bash, with like, is it looking like it's going to end up over here in the... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Darian's nodding her head. It's probably across the street. We'll, we'll formally announce that later in the week. Yes. It'll still be exciting. Absolutely. Just Will it fit? That's the question. <laughs> I saw the bus across the way from my office today, so I think they were testing that very motion. Okay. All right. Info packet April 28th. If, oh, go ahead. Uh, if I could, Mr. Mayor, just a, uh, just a quick thank you to the people that put together um, the Affordable Housing Action Plan. Uh, um, you know, our city staff and the different organizations that teamed up on that. I've made it about two-thirds of the way through it now, and it is an amazing document. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly a lot of thought and effort and hard work went into that. Um, and I can definitely see that this is going to be a huge help um, to us as we as we start to make decisions about how we deal with affordable housing in our community. So so for, for those of you that are here or are listening, thank you for the hard work on that. So it, it definitely shows. My assumption is that after our strategic plan, we'll probably have that somewhere on one of the work sessions. Sure. Good. I just wanted to draw attention to IP6 in the packet from the 28th, which is the direct assistance program from the from the uh, Johnson County being launched. Um, so that is live on their website, and I know they're having a number of clinics uh, to promote that and to help people sign up. There is no fee to apply, um, but there, of course, is not guaranteed uh, that you will receive funds if you do to apply. So just to encourage people to submit their applications. 
It's a great opportunity. All right, any other items from April 28th? And we're gonna bring up our University of Iowa student government with their updates. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, Council. Um, so first off, there will be rooms during our lease gap weeks in the IMU House Hotel that will cost students only $25 a night rather than an initially expected $30 um, with uh, an option to also pay an extra $10 for parking in the IMU ramp. All of this information is posted on the off-campus living website. Um, last Tuesday, the Women's Resource and Action Center hosted uh, the Take Back the Night March in solidarity with survivors of sexual violence. 200 protesters were in attendance advocating for the rights of the 1,000, nearly 2,000 victims between um, 2015 and 2019 who only saw a 4% chance of seeing their cases fully processed. Um, Additionally, the sapling of a tree outside of Anne Frank's window was planted on the Pentecost this past Friday. Um, and uh, our sustainability committee is planning on bringing back the farmer's market vouchers this summer in order to encourage students to continue to buy local. Um, and then with the recent announcement, um, as you all heard this morning, um, with Roe versus Wade um, and the Supreme Court, it threatens the safety, um, the health and safety of Iowa City students um, and community members. So multiple protests are happening on the Pentecrest um, Saturday and Sunday around 1 p.m. So all council members are invited to attend that. Um, the Renters Guide survey has just been released um, for University Iowa students to fill out. Um, so we'll include a link for that for you guys to share around. And then all of the magnets that we partnered with have been distributed. Um, so that's really exciting. They're just kind of sprinkled all around Iowa City. So if you go take a walk around or any of the university buildings, you're likely to see one. So it's pretty cool. And then. Lastly, since this is my last city council meeting, I just wanted to like say thank you to every one of you, and it's been such an honor serving as city liaison. Um, even the city staff, you guys have been a real help with us, um, working with projects that Ellie and I are passionate about, so that's been really cool. Um, just meeting you guys at the city council meet and greet, like some of you at the city council meet and greet just in, in the fall. Um, time has flown by super fast. Um, and it's been really challenging, but also rewarding to work on like a, such a large range of issues. Um, Ellie and I have done stuff such as supporting students with off-campus renting through magnets and a lease gap week program to encouraging sustainable pra best practices um, by supporting the Iowa Environmental Council with their zero carbon goal for Iowa City and also hosting bike events on campus. So it's been really fun working on a large range of issues that Ellie and I are passionate about. And I'm really excited to see what Ellie and Keaton are going to do. I'm excited for you guys to meet the next city liaison um, and continue the work that they have done so far. So thank you for everything and feel free to reach out to me for anything in the future. So. Well, to both of you on behalf of the council, we really, um, one, congratulate you, Ellie, to now being the city council liaison, and we look forward to uh, working with Keaton as well. And Anna, the city would like to present this certificate of appreciation to you for the thoughtful contributions during the 2021 through 2022 year of service as the city council liaison from the University of Iowa, undergraduate student government, 
and for demonstrating commitment to student participation on this third day of May 2022. Thank you so much. Thank you, Council. I know I, for one, look forward to reading the news story about you getting elected to a city council someday. So we'll be watching for that. So thank you, thank you for your leadership. All right, all right, council updates. Well, I have a, it was an enormous honor to represent, to be sort of dual-hatted as both the city and the synagogue to represent um, at, at the Anna Frank sapling planting last last Friday. It was an incredibly, the whole program was an incredibly moving and really sort of pushed everybody's thinking into the future and, and out to the entire community. Right. And thank you for doing that. I've heard nothing but great things about that event and I was unfortunately not able to attend, but um, thank you for representing this council and the city of Iowa City. All right, any other updates? I was able to uh, represent the city at the um, Cedar Rapids, inter, uh, uh, at the CID, as they keep using that as the abbreviation, but at the Eastern Iowa Airport. Um, it was their 75th anniversary, and it was amazing to hear about the history of it, um, as well as then to hear the plans for the future. They have been able, in spite of COVID, to have a phased approach towards um, updating and looking forward and really understanding the needs of how airport travel and usage needs to change along with the way that patterns since COVID have, have sort of seemingly permanently marked the way that people use travel. So it was just fascinating. And then they had two sort of logistical consultants come in who knew that was a thing, but they were amazing and fascinating. And it just really was remarkable. They actually have great faith in um, the strength of the airport. And they said that this is incredibly rare. So this is a really great collaboration in the corridor between uh, North and South. And uh, it was just fascinating. And they were very pleased that Iowa City was there. Awesome. Any other updates for boards, commissions, and committees? Awesome. We are adjourned until 6 and not 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs>